Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 819. I would say to everybody, do your homework. If you're going out, whether it's buying parts, whether it's getting a car restored, don't rush out and do it. You can find out who the guys are out there that are doing quality cars. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Tim Lee. Hey, Tim, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I sure am. All right, here we go. Tim Lee is the owner of Tim Lee Restorations in North Andover, Massachusetts. Tim's passion for cars, engines, and anything that rolls on rubber goes back to his childhood. He and his team perform a full line of services for restoring your classic cars, including complete restorations, interiors, engine rebuilding, buyer inspections, car locating, maintenance, and much, much more. With a focus on 65 to 70 Shelby Mustangs, Tim's shop is ASE certified, having worked on Mustangs, Back since 1974, he has over 40 years of experience, including judging credentials, and is an SAAC Concord judge, an MCA Concord judge, and a Mid-America head judge. So, Tim, I told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment, share a little bit more about your business, and of course, an obvious passion for automobiles? Yeah, thanks, Mark. Yeah, we're located here in North Andover, Mass, and our cars come from literally all around the country and world. We actually have had a lot of business we've done overseas, but all our cars, for the most part, are shipped here because uh, a lot of cars in New England don't last that long. But <laughs> yes. anyway, my my passion for the cars, as you said, goes back to you know when I was a kid and and just anything that ran, anything that used gasoline, uh, I just fell in love with and started with lawn mowers, moved into mini bikes, go karts, and then the natural progression was into cars, and uh, you know it just took off from there and. Here I am 40 years later just making a, a living doing it, and it's a, it's a great thing, fun fun thing to come to work every day. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember uh, reading back a, a note you sent me. When you were a kid, did you build a go-kart with a twin engine in it? I did. Uh, <laughs> I, there, was a local, there was a local machine shop. My dad worked at a uh, – taught at a private school, and there was a local machine shop. And, you know, for better or worse, I used to always hang out there, and the shop teacher – I told him what I wanted to do, and he says, "Well, you can't do that, and some, you know, because of the way the motors were all going the same direction, you couldn't drive each wheel." And so I sat there and figured it out and put it together and um, built my twin engine go kart. It had twin five horsepower uh, Briggs and Stratton engines on it, and wow, well, I didn't have a speedometer on that thing, but I'll bet it did fifty or sixty <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. Way faster than your mom ever wanted you going on a go-kart, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, you you blew me away. I had a go-kart, but only had one motor in mine. I can't imagine having two. <laughs> yeah, I, I, the thing with mom, what mom and dad didn't know probably didn't hurt that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I still have all my fingers and toes. So. That's what the cowling for on the back is to cover up both those motors. You know? Why is that thing exactly. so fast? Very cool story. I love it. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote or a mantra, something that uh, is very important to you. So it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Tim, take the wheel. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I'd have to go back to the, the things my dad taught me when I was a kid. And, you know, a lot of them were hard lessons to learn as a kid. But uh, I, I think two things um, that he taught me was, one is that it's not all about you and what you need. It's about, you know, interacting with other people. And the other thing that, that he taught me um, that I think was just really valuable is ju- just to have integrity. And, and he taught me that in so many ways and, and do things when people are not looking, you know, the way you would do them if they were looking. And, and I think that's just something that, you know, like I said, I picked up from my dad and, and just carried me throughout my life. And, and it's, it's helped me to be very successful. Oh, absolutely. You know, your comment about uh, doing things when people aren't looking, I remember a line my mom used to use. Would you do that if your grandmother was standing here? Or would you say that if your (laughs) grandmother was standing here? And, you know, to this day, it still comes into my mind, oh, grandma might be here. I better not say it that way. So, uh, Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. wonderful license or life lessons, I should say. And it's really great considering the business you're in because knowing how to treat people right, having integrity, great morals and ethics. And when you're working on somebody's car, which not only has to do with their passion, but can have to do with their life, doing things properly, brakes and engines and all these things that, uh, you know, people's lives sometimes uh, rely on that you did something right on their vehicle. So uh, great life lessons from dad, for sure. Well, let's go back in time a little bit. We talked about that go-kart with mm-hmm. two Briggs and Stratton motors, but let's talk about where your passion for cars started. Is there a pivotal moment when you realize, oh my gosh, I'm a car guy? Yeah, I would say there there were probably two. And one was uh, one of my neighbors had a, uh, it was a uh, type three Volkswagen. I don't even remember what year it was, but the motor was blown and um, he was throwing it away pretty much. So I said, well, I'll take it and I'll fix it. And the learning lesson out of this is you you fix the motor and get it running before you do all the body work and paint because I did all the body work and paint made this thing beautiful and then I was faced with the task of making it running which uh, turned into quite a circus but I did get it running and uh, then realized pretty much that I couldn't go anywhere with the car because I was 15 at the time and Uh-oh. in Massachusetts <laughs> yeah. it, it was 16 and a half to get your license. So, you know, I had it for a while, and then I just sold it to one of my friends who did have a license. And um, But I, quickly, I, I decided I needed to carry this on. And there was a, a – I lived in a really small town, and, and there was a center of town where, you know, the, the, the cool kids used to hang out on Friday and Saturday nights. And I worked at Sears Automotive as a cashier and, like I said, didn't have my license. So my dad used to drive me to work on Friday nights and Saturdays and every Friday night we'd come home and there was the 63 Galaxy XL sitting there. It was black with chrome all over it. And I, I just drooled over that car every night for oh, probably three months, every Friday night for about three months. <laughs> um, I ended up owning that car. <laughs> all right. This is our set of circumstances, but that just seeing that car saying, you know, I have to have that. I think that was the, the pivotal moment. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, you know, your story about making sure the engine's right first before you go to the trouble of all the body and so forth. If you've ever been to any of the car manufacturing facilities, you see they always build the chassis and engine and drivetrain first and then have the marriage, as they call it, where they put the body on. So they make sure everything that makes the car go is there first before they put the body on. So exactly. Yeah, kind of the same thing. But jumping from a VW to a Galaxy, man, that's a big jump, <laughs> a big jump in power, too. Yeah, it was. It was actually a um, it was a 406 tri power car with a four speed, uh, and you know it was it was the half year model, so it had that the XL which had that 
fastback sort of roof. Oh, yeah. Uh, the one that they, same car they made all the uh, R code, the 427s out of, but this was a 406 tri-power, which was plenty enough to get me in trouble at that day. I think so. So um, <laughs> Yeah, just a yeah. little bit. <laughs> oh, fun. Well, let's go back in time here and take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure. And I know you had a, a different career, and then you decided to have a career in your passion, and you purchased this restoration shop and built it into what you have today. That kind of a move is fraught with challenges and sometimes some big failures. So take us to a point in time, walk us through one of those. But more importantly, tell us how you overcame that and what you learned from it. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because the automotive uh, big challenge came out of, I had a very successful construction company uh, that I had for about 30 years before I, I you know, got out of the the, the cars as a hobby and, and started doing it for a living. But the same lesson was true. And that was just don't take shortcuts. Mm. You know, when, whenever you have a problem on a job, I remember construction, you know, every time you try to go back and jury rig it or whatever, it never works. So go back and start over again. Right. And that same thing happens uh, in the automotive business. And, you know, anytime you have an issue, it doesn't matter how long it takes to repair it go back and fix it right and start from the beginning because otherwise you're just wasting time and, yeah. and effort. I think one particular thing with cars is leaks. I see people that have leaks in cars and there are so many ways to use all these mechanic in a cans or as we call them or silicone sealers and just try to goop it up and right. they ultimately all fail. So I've learned that if you have an issue like a leak in a car, doesn't matter how long it takes, just go back and, and start over and fix it the right way. Do you guys get cars in your shop that other people have, quote unquote, restored, and then you get into them going, ah, these guys took a lot of shortcuts? Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. You know, it's funny. I, w- I would much rather have a car that is all rusted, corroded, but never been touched by someone outside of Ford. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would much rather have that than something that's that's nice and fresh and new that somebody else worked on, to be honest with you. Yeah, that last 10% or even 5% is where usually things get in trouble. And having been around a lot of restorations, it's usually because time is starting to accelerate. The owner wants the car faster. The guy working on it is just trying to get everything done. And you're right, takes shortcuts and doesn't walk through all the steps. Uh, you mentioned construction. My dad was an architect. His his entire career. Many summers I worked on some of the projects he designed, houses and buildings as a kind of a construction gopher kid, you know, doing all this, you know, go break up that concrete and go pick up those pieces of lumber. And I'll never forget one time he let me do something, like actually build something. And I didn't quite do it right because I didn't know what I was doing. And he came and looked at it and he said, well, you know, this is wrong. He goes, take it all apart and start over. And I go, well, why can't we just fix that part? He goes, no, you'll learn a lot better having to take it apart and doing it again. You'll never forget get it. And here I am 50 years later talking about it. So he was right. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, Dad. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's one of those times when you kind of went, ah, that's the direction I need to go with my business. So kind of walk us through your career aha moment. Sure. Yeah. I I think, and again, it goes back to when I transitioned from being in construction to, you know, restoring that I mean, I loved construction, and I, you know, quite honestly, I think I was pretty good at it. But it changed a lot over the years, and it got to the point where it really didn't become fun to build things anymore because of the amount of regulation and red tape you had to go through yeah. just to get a permit. Yep. That combined with the economy taking a you know a, a tailspin there in the uh, 
you know, early, uh, well, I don't know, around 2009 to 2012, oh, yeah. 13. Yeah. Um, it, it just, I saw the construction business getting tougher. The work was less. And I had people, because I had been restoring cars in addition to this, I had been doing them, it was almost like a full-time job on top of my full-time job, but I was restoring them and, you know, I was getting my door beat down to restore cars. And so I said, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is not fun and it's a headache and this is fun and uh, there are people that really want me to do that. So it was, and you know, it was a tough decision because I'm I'm not a spring chicken. And at that point in my life to say, okay, I'm giving up this career that I've done all my life at this point in my life and starting over again. You know, it was a little scary, oh, yeah. and uh, I think just with encouragement of, of particularly my wife and uh, a lot of friends, you know, they said, just go for it, and we did. So th- I think that was my aha moment when I, I just said, look, I, I can do this and, and be successful at it. You know, there's a brilliant takeaway here for listeners out there that are hoping or wishing they could work in their field of passion. That is cars. We are cars, yeah, here. And that is uh, start it on the side while you're doing your regular job, unless you have a lot of money saved up or you can just jump into it. But that's a pretty bold, scary move, as you said. But do it on the side until you get all your uh, knowledge and a, a little bit of a customer base going and exactly what happened to you. It's a great takeaway lesson for me about your story. And then you can make that transition with a little more confidence. You know, kudos to you for making that jump. Yeah, that is a scary leap. Will this work? There's a lot of what ifs, but you know what? The economy threw you a big loop there and you never know. There's a lot of things out of our control that can always change your circumstances. So take a chance. Do it. Listen to Tim because he's a guy that did it and has never looked back. So awesome story. How about a proudest career moment? I would assume you've had many. You've made so many people happy with the cars you've worked on, but is there one that stands out yeah i don't know if there's one but it is it is the same moment that happens over and over again and, and like i said most of my customers come up around the country so the majority of them don't see their cars until they're done you know we send them pictures along the way but there's always that point where they actually physically walk in and put their eyes on the car for the first time mm-hmm. and that just to see the look on their face is <laughs> yeah. just priceless yeah. and uh, i mean don't anybody take this, what I'm going to say, but I'd almost work for free to see that moment. <laughs> it's just, yeah. it's beautiful. And, and they, you know, they're like little kids and it, it's like everybody should be. And, and I, I never, ever get tired of that moment and it makes it all worth it for me. You need to have a camera set up and start a wall of excitement for all your customers, the, the look on their face when they first walk in and just, here's all of our happy customers. I can see that on a wall. That would be so cool. That's a great idea. Yeah, the exhilaration. You can put it on your website. What fun. Uh, it, yeah, having fun with what you're doing and making things really exciting for your clients. That's a win-win for everybody. So what a life. You yeah. figured out the secret sauce, that's for sure. Well, let's go back in time. You talked about that VW, the Galaxy but let's talk about your first really special car. That time you got a car that you went, oh, I finally have what I want and kind of walk us through yeah. some memories. Well, that would have been, and, and this would have been right after I sold that galaxy and I bought my first, uh, it was a 1967 Shelby. But, um, the way it happened is we had a local magazine that came out every Wednesday around uh, where I live. It's called the one advertiser. I mean, we didn't have any of the social media or internet or anything like that. So, if you wanted to buy a car, rarely did you ever see a picture of it. It was just always an ad that you answered. 
So I had sold the Galaxy and had this money burning a hole in my pocket. So I was looking for something new and looking for something new. And I really wanted a, a Mustang because it, in that time where I had a Galaxy, I also bought a 65 Mustang that I had. And I really got to loving the Mustang. So I was looking at the ads in this one advertiser. There was nothing. It was just a flat period. I think it was the beginning of summer, and um, just nothing was showing up. But there was this one ad that just kept coming up, and it said, 67 Mustang, uh, good condition, 17,000 miles, and he wanted $2,200 for it. Well, you know, this is back in 1974, mm-hmm. and in 1974, $2,500 for a 67 Mustang was ridiculous. Right? I think a $2,200 is what he wanted, yeah. but it was ridiculous money, so I never answered the ad. But just out of boredom, I said, well, I'm just going to go look at this car because there's nothing else to buy. And so I went up to this uh, house. It was in, I believe, Newton, Massachusetts, and this older gentleman met me, and he said, yeah, this is my son's car, and his job took him out to California, and you know, he's just lost interest in it, and so he wants me to sell it, and he set the price. And he said, I don't really know anything about it, and I put the ad out, and I said, all right, we'll, we'll look at it. And we walked over to the garage, and he grabbed the garage door and rolled up, and I'm looking at this set of inboard headlights on the, tradi- the typical Shelby's had in that year right. on most of the models. Yeah just staring at me in the hood <laughs> scoop and it was night mist blue, which is just the most gorgeous color they ever put on a Shelby. And it was probably that same moment where I told you when my customers see their car for the first yeah, time. Yeah. But I, I was literally snake bitten at the time. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is it. I need this car. And, you know, we ended up, you know, working out a deal and, and I got it for a little less money and, uh, you know, I took it home and, Man, uh, that that was it. I I was done. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's that like one of car. those uh, Wayne Carini chasing classic car barn find moments. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, this is a Shelby. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're trying not to show the exhilaration and play your poker face, you know, so you can negotiate a good price. But inside, your skin is starting to like vibrate. So, uh, oh, exactly. what yeah. fun! What fun! Well, thanks for taking us there. That sounds like fun. Well, how about the flip side of this, the seller's remorse story? Is there one that you have? Yeah, boy, <laughs> probably probably everyone. But uh, the one thing is, I. I have always been able to move on from cars. You know, when when I get to the point where I sell a car, it's like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this and have no regrets. Yeah. But the one that probably got away was the same Shelby because it was so funny. I, I sold that car. I remember the guy and his brother, I think, coming down to buy it. And it, it went away and, you know, life went on and I got a whole bunch of other cars. Well, you know, nowadays when you do the Shelby's, it's all about the numbers. You know, the motor numbers match. You know, the serial number of the car. You know, the ID number of the car. Well, back then we didn't care. It was just a cool car that went fast and girls liked it. So <laughs> there you go. We didn't care about this stuff. So this Shelby went away. And later on, when I became interested, I never knew what number the car was. So uh-huh. there was no way of really tracking it down. I, I, you know, I knew the color. I knew the equipment it had. I knew the type of wheels it had. So I could get it down to about 15 or 20 cars, but you know, it just was, it would have been a dead end. Well, I think it was about two years ago. I got an email from this guy and he introduced himself and said, yeah, I'm, I talked to this 67 Shelby registrar and, and I bought a car and I'm trying to track down the history of it. 
And, you know, he thought that you might be able to help me. And, and I'm sitting thinking, going, okay, yeah, yeah, where's this going? Because you kind of hear the story a lot. So I'm like, all right, I'll see what I can do with this guy. So he said, I have attached a copy of the title from the car, and this is the earliest known title, and, and just want to know if you can shed some light on it. So I'm like, okay. And I look at the title. It's a title from Massachusetts. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is why the guy's asking me, because I'm from Massachusetts. And I'm scrolling down, and at the bottom of the page, it says previous owner, and it says Timothy Lee, <laughs> me. <laughs> hey, I know that and guy. <laughs> I'm just like, I know that car. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, turned out that this guy was in Houston, Texas, and the person that I sold my car to actually kept it for all those years, and he ended up transferring his job, wow. moved to Texas, and this, this guy bought it from him. Okay. And so it was kind of like, wow, yeah. uh, this is really this is really fun. And, and so he asked me to come down and look at the car and give it an evaluation. And, you know, I mean, I did say to him, look, if you want to sell this car back, you know, I would buy it in a second. And he understood and and, I, and he really wanted it. And then I understood that, yeah, too. And yeah. it never worked out where I was able to get it back. But th I think that's the one probably more wow. than any. Wow. What a story. That's pretty cool. That, yeah. yeah, you ended up back with the old gal. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Oh, what absolutely. fun. What fun. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are mm -hmm. you working on right now that has you really excited and fired up? Well, oh, we got a lot of great stuff. We just we actually just sent a car out this morning. It was a 1970 Boss 429 Mustang. Ooh. Actually, the only local car I've ever done. The car was sold originally 20 miles from here and stayed there all its life. So we just sent that car out. But I think we've got a couple really special cars in the shop and some that are coming in. Uh, the one we have in the shop right now is one of, it's a 68 Shelby engineering car. And the engineering cars were cars that were regular production cars that they pulled out to test certain things on, um, you know, whether it be fuel injection, track lock, rear ends and that. And this particular one was, uh, they tested superchargers on. No kidding. So, wow. uh, yeah, <laughs> and obviously it never went into production. So yeah. it, it, the experiment was either not cost effective or, you know, didn't work properly or whatever. But mm -hmm. uh, we've got that car here. And the protocol for those always was they did the engineering and then they took everything off, returned the car to stock and then sold it as retail. So when you get the car, you'll find a few clues here and there, but you'll never find exactly the way it was when they engineered it so there's a lot of a lot of research a lot of engineering a lot of design that goes in it but we're we've got the motor all done and together and the car's going back together and, and should be uh ready this fall and it, it's going to be pretty special yeah very uh, unique. that's one the other one we have coming in is one of the 1965 shelby drag cars they made four drag cars in 65. There were Shelby's that were just designed to go in a straight line. Um, they, again, took a regular 65 GT350. They sent them out to a um, an outside shop. Um, in this case, it was called Performance Associates, who was a California drag racing uh, outfitter. And they modified these cars and put slicks on them and blueprinted the engines and all sorts of stuff. And uh, 
they're fun too. And, and oh, yeah. uh, that's coming in in the fall. So we're, we're excited about that one as well. Ah, uh, some neat, neat stuff. You know, it's pretty interesting to think they'd pull a car off the line, mess with it, drive it, test it, and then take the stuff off and put it back and sell it as new. You wonder if the people buying yeah. them ever knew what was really going on in the miles and the, the pressures put on those engines. You can't imagine them doing something like that now, you know, with uh, yeah. issues with car quality and all that, but uh, pretty darn cool stuff. Very, very interesting. Well, Here's a very introspective question for you, Tim. If you were a car, what kind of car would Tim be and why? Wow, that's tough. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I'd be a muscle car. You know, I think more specifically, I, I'd probably be a Shelby just because that's what my passion has always drawn me to. Yeah. And there's just something about the design, which is, is funny because I, I remember reading a story that Carol Shelby designed these cars to intimidate other people and other car owners. And that's why he put all the scoops on them. And not that they were ever that functional, but that's why he did it. Sure. And I don't think I'd want to be known as a person that intimidates other people. So I I know the association isn't there, but I just think it's the classic design. I mean, they just, everything about those cars was just, you know, was just gorgeous to a car enthusiast. Yeah. Um, the the nice lines, the colors they picked, the chrome bumpers, uh, the stuff you just don't get in modern cars. I, I think everything from the engines, the torque, the sound, um, you know, all that stuff that just kind of stirs a guy up inside. I, I think that's why I'd want to be one. <laughs> Said very well. The kind of stuff that stirs a guy up inside. Only car people understand that comment. Ah, I, I understand. Yeah, I, I love it. Well, Tim, up next is the last lap before we put the pedal to the metal. Let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. What's the worst thing for your car's interior? No, it's not that milkshake the kid spilled in the back seat. It's the sun. Harmful UV rays cook your automobile's interior hour after hour when it's parked outside, even on a cloudy day. What's the solution? Covercraft sunscreens. They protect your dash, seats, and interior finishes from those damaging UV rays while keeping the interior temperature tolerable, even on the hottest summer days. No more painfully sizzling seats and steering wheels for you. They unfold quickly and easily install stay where you put them, and are custom pattern for an exact fit. The foam core acts as a cooling insulator, and you can get yours in different colors and finishes. And they even fold up easily and store under your seat or on the floor. I've used Covercraft sunscreens for years, and they are a fast and easy solution that protect my beloved cars when they're not in the garage. Learn more and order yours at Covercraft.com. Want to protect your entire vehicle? Get a car cover from Covercraft. They have those too. That's Covercraft.com. And tell them Mark sent you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Tim, we are back and we're entering the last lap. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. Okay. 
What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I, I was friends with Bob Tasca Sr. before he passed away. I, I used to go to his dealership all the time, and I'm sure a lot of you know that name is familiar yes. to a lot of Ford people. Yeah. You know, whenever I ran into him, I would just, I knew enough to keep my mouth shut and listen mm. and not say anything. And I, I think that's the best thing is, is get around someone who really knows these cars and, you know, whether it's uh, working on them or, or, you know, a mechanic or somebody who designed or engineered them and just listen, take them out to lunch and just listen because you'll learn a lot. Well, it's like sitting here in cars. Yeah, I listen and learn a lot of things from my guests. And I remember my mom telling me, that's why you have one mouth and two ears. Listen more, speak less, so, and you'll learn a lot more. Exactly. So, thank you, Mom. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Well, I already shared the things that my dad taught me, but I, I think I think it's just love what you do. Um, I mean, sometimes it could, you know it's a business, and you've got all the headaches that come with business. But sometimes I just walk through the door and I take that moment and I look around and I just start laughing inside. Um, <laughs> yes. that I can't believe people pay me to do this. So I think that, you know, that's it. just enjoy what you do and, and, and just be grateful every day that, you know, you, you get to do this. Thing, this oh, stuff. yeah. Yeah. You know, I'll tell our listeners that Tim and I had a real nice chat before we started the show here. And we were talking about we both married great women and that uh, at the end of the day, whenever we gripe a little bit about something. That happen, our wives look at us with a frown and say, Do you realize most people would love to do what you do every day? So quit your whining. So, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there, but is there one or maybe two that you'd like to share with the Cars Yow listeners? My advice would be just to get on a forum that is just has a bunch of people that just really love these cars and have a lot of experience. And there's going to be a lot of filtering in that because there's a lot of forums and websites out there that aren't that good, but, but you'll know pretty soon. Uh, the two that come to my mind is one is concoursmustang.com mm-hmm. and the other one is sacforum, which is S-A-A-C-forum.com. Uh, that's where you're going to find a lot of Mustang and Shelby enthusiasts. And my advice when you do that is don't go in like you know everything or like you expect to receive something, information. Go in, introduce yourself, just go slow, tell people what you've got, what you're trying to do, and you'll quickly learn, you know, the people that have knowledge and and those who don't, because you're going to get a little bit of everything. Right. But just go in and be humble and uh, just enjoy it and talk, talk cars to other people that love cars. You know, that's really great advice because the forums are great and they do require a little bit of vetting. And I see people jump in and get a little verbose. And I think, you know, would you do that if you walked into a room full of people? Would you act that way? People tend to be a little brave behind the keyboard. You've offered a really, really wise uh, word of advice on how to approach it. And tremendous amount of help you can get from these forums and car clubs. People are always willing to help and offer their advice. So great, great words of wisdom. Now, if you could have a drink with anyone in the automotive field or industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? Oh boy. Uh, you know, I've, I've met Carol Shelby, but I've never really sat down and, and had a long conversation with him. But I think I would like to have a conversation with him if he had all his inhibitions out of the way, you know, maybe uh, a few drinks or something where you could just really (laughs) get to the inner core of what drove him. Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think that would be probably the one that, that would 
you know, why did you do this? And what was your thinking behind it? Sure. You know, just get the, the real core answers of, you know, not, not the answers that are for the media and the public, but the real core answers that were what behind it. Yeah, I think that would be pretty cool. You know, I had a guest who answered this question with Enzo Ferrari, and then he quickly said, yeah, but he wouldn't really tell me the truth. So why would you want to do that? I'll, let me list somebody else. So, yeah, some of these characters, uh, larger than life characters, uh, yeah, if you could get them one on one. And I've even known some personal friends like that, that when they're in a group, they're a whole different person. But when you get them one on one, all of a sudden their true personality comes out and they really want to share. So uh, we'll just exactly. say that. Yeah, yeah, we'll just say your your talk with Carol would be a, a true sharing moment for from uh, from his background, that would be very cool. Now, is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share with our listeners? You think they should crack open and enjoy? Well, if you're if you're going to do the Shelby's um, specifically, I would get a copy of the Shelby Registry. Um, the Shelby Automotive Club has done an amazing job, and they have more history and documentation on these cars than anybody. And the the registry, it's a book. It's about three inches thick, and they have them for different years. They have them for the old Cobras. They have another one for 65 to 67, and then they have one for the 68 to 70s. And that's really the the one that I would get because there's a lot of information in there that you can glean. You can also find the history of your cars and other cars that are similar to yours. The one thing that I often get asked is, is there a restoration book that you would recommend and follow? And I would say, without a doubt, no. <laughs> um, the, the restoration books are, are tough, and the Shelbys are so unique. They made so many running changes yeah. that there's just no way that you can document every, everything. So uh, I think the forums, like I said before, still the way, but definitely a Shelby registry is the one book you want to have on your shelf. Great recommendation. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these awesome resources Tim has shared on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just type Tim Lee, L-E-A, into the search bar. His page will pop up with links to these resources, to his website. I encourage you to visit it and look at some of the projects that he's working on there. Lots of fun. And there's another great place on the Cars Yeah website called the Guest Recommended Books. And I've listed this book that Tim's recommended and all the past books that our guests have recommended and made it really easy for a quick click to buy. So check out that resource on the Cars Yeah website. All right, Tim, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question could be a bit of a doozy. Okay. I'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today. Money is not a problem because I'm buying. What would that car that you pick out be? And more importantly, why? You know, that could change tomorrow. So I'll have to <laughs> I understand. For today. We'll just talk about yeah. today. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody once said, what's your favorite Shelby? And it's like, well, the one I'm driving today. Yes. But the one the one car that I've always been fascinated with, and this car, it, it does exist. Um, and not, I don't think it's public where it is. And uh, there was a Shelby, it was a 1967 GT350, and it was a black four-speed car. Uh, which just the black cars themselves are extremely rare. They didn't make many of them, uh, but this was one of the ones they made. It was an early car, so it's got a lot of those cool early car features, but it was also one of the cars that was equipped with a factory Paxton supercharger. Uh, so it, it's it got everything going for it. You know, the fastback, that classic look, it's got the small block motor, which just has that wonderful solid lifter sound. Yeah. Um, the four speed and the, the Paxton supercharger on. I mean, that thing has everything cool going about it. So, oh, man. uh, that, that would be the one that I, I think the guy who owns it will probably never sell it, 
but uh, that would be one I would really like to get my hands on. Well, since today we're talking uh, Cars Yeah Fantasyland, I'll just write him the biggest check he wants. I mean, there's always a price on everything <laughs> at some point, but uh, I understand. Yeah, I understand. Wow, that sounds like a really special car for sure. And yeah, black, you don't see too many of those except for the uh, Hearst cars, you know, the Hearst rental cars. You see them in black with the gold stripes. But yeah, a black yeah. one, that sounds pretty cool. And you throw a Paxton supercharger on board. And we talked about those uh, wonderful motor sounds, those uh, engines made, because I had a, a replica GT350 probably 15 years ago. And I just love the sound of that motor, just a sewing machine. Just, yeah, us, ah, brilliant. Ah, great choice. Well, I kind of knew it'd be a Shelby of some kind, but ooh, that one's going to cost me a little bit. So uh, I will, <laughs> <laughs> I will get to work for you, Tim. And you've taken us on an awesome ride. I've really enjoyed getting to learn a little bit more about you and your business and what you're doing. And I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into the sunset in that black '67 GT350 <laughs> with the supercharger, of course? Yeah. I mean, I think it goes back to, we were talking earlier that you had asked the question, do I get cars in from other, uh, that have been done by other restoration shops? And, and the answer is unfortunately a lot of times yes. And, and, uh, you asked me what the greatest moment was where I see that look of joy on the face. The other side of that is the moment where somebody, you know, really didn't get what they paid for or, you know, the work was not done properly is, it's just, it really makes me sad to be honest with you and i would say to everybody do your homework mm -hmm. if you're going out whether it's buying parts whether it's getting a car restored don't rush out and do it you can find out who the guys are out there that are doing quality cars in the country and there to be honest with you there aren't a lot of them but there are a lot of people that work on shelby's but there's not a lot of people that i believe do them well and and it's not a, a knock to the guys i mean the guy that's restoring corvettes uh, can probably do fantastic work, but the Shelby's are very unique and you need to know your car line and you need to know uh, what you're working on and its history. And, you know, just do your homework, take the time, find out who's doing the work well, call them up, ask them questions, even go and visit their shop. I mean, yes. we have people that do that here and, and I have, I have no problem. We have nothing to hide here. Myself, my employees, um, you know, call us up. Well, you know, obviously we're, we're running a business, so, you know, we don't, to say walk in the door anytime, but but call us up and just say, you know, I'm going to stop in sometime next week. We'll tell you where we are and come on over and, and we'll talk cars. And, and, and I would recommend, you know, whether it's me or, or any of the shops out there, you just go and do that and do your homework and, and get your money's worth and enjoy it. Do your homework. Very, very wise. Yeah, do a lot of homework because you'll always, it will always pay off in the end. That's for sure. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and what you're doing in your business? Well, we have a website, timlee.com, T-I-M-L-E-A.com. I will confess that it's rarely up to date. Uh, <laughs> it's probably about six months to a year behind what we're currently doing. Uh, that's because we're having fun working on cars. And, yeah. and one of my uh, things not to have fun with is working on computers. So uh, <laughs> we try to get it you know, regularly updated as much as possible. But yeah. uh, you, you'll see some cool stuff on there. You'll see what we're doing and what we have coming in we've had going out the door so Very uh, cool. that's where i would go all right listeners well again you can find links to everything tim has shared on his show notes page at carsyad.com i would encourage you to check out his website a look at some of the work he's doing if you're uh, in his part of the woods give him a call 
stop in and say hello. I think it'll be worth your while. And if you love Shelby's or you have one you want to have restored, Tim's the guy to call. Tim, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the Cars Yow listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Sounds great. It's been fun. Thank you, Mark. Thank you. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!